everybody, and welcome to another episode of Middle of the Road, the podcast. This week, we are discussing the 2000 J. Roach-directed Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller, Terry Polo starring Meet the Parents. This film was picked for us by John. I think we discussed it briefly the last week, and nobody, except maybe John, I don't think he shared his opinion since he picked the movie, but nobody was super high on this movie, even though it was a giant hit when it came out. So um, we're going to let John tell us why he picked Meet the Parents and see how it stacks up 20 years later. Yeah, um, I I think I... I chose this film because it is one of my my parents' favorite films, specifically (laughs) my mom. And I think I also just remember, more recently, the first time we saw this as a family. It it was just kind of a a fun experience for us. I think it was during, if I'm remembering correctly, during one of our many summer road trips to Toronto. And we actually saw it with our extended family, too, so my uncle and aunt and cousins that we would stay with oftentimes during the summer. And yeah, it was just, it was just such a fun time. And I remember my parents having such a visceral approving opinion of it that I, I, it's kind of remained in the back of my mind as one of my favorite comedies, but I haven't revisited it in a long time. And so watching it again, there's definitely, I'm definitely lower on it than I used to be for sure. Um, but I think I still appreciate how the comedy is very casual and very relatable. I feel like during this time, especially given the director, who was Jay Roach, who did the first two Austin Power movies, and we were talking about Happy Madison movies off the pod, they always had this heightened tone where like things were super silly and super cartoony, but then also at the same time, like really inappropriate and hypersexualized at times as well. And I think I remember this movie in contrast to that being so different. And a lot of it was just about uh, Ben Stiller's character being so flustered and anxious and just trying everything he can to like make things right. And it always messing up. I think I re- read something online where someone said, this is like the best expression of Murphy's Law in a film if possible. And I think Ben Stiller fits that role perfectly. I think Robert De Niro fits his counterpart perfectly. I'm trying to... I don't remember a lot, like, having seen a lot of Ben Stiller stuff before this, I feel like. I feel like people know him for Zoolander. Something about Mary was before. Yeah, and I I was just thinking before we started recording that that's probably one that I should have watched as well. Yeah, gotta get that camera. Never seen something about Mary. No, I've never seen it. But like, yeah, so like, heavyweights, Happy Gilmore, the Cable Guy. Like, well, maybe not necessarily the Cable Guy, but yeah, I was gonna say he was in the Cable Guy. He's the murderer in the the trial. He doesn't have any lines. He directed. He directed. I thought he was the main. Who was the? Oh wait, he did. Matthew Broderick. Oh, that's right. Never mind. Okay, sorry. Um, he's just always been attributed to me at by like his more exaggerated roles. And so I found this a nice change of pace. And I think he's like, he's not playing so much of a character that you can't relate to, or he's, he's not, it doesn't seem like he's acting, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but he's even more entertaining 
for that reason, I think. Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't realize keeping the faith was before this as well. Hmm, maybe not. But I feel like, again, like, uh, films like Mystery Men and Zoolander and other ones kind of where he's more exaggerated and heightened probably take a higher place in people's memory. So, yeah, um, I'm a little bit less on it, I think, but I do think the main dynamic between Robert De Niro and this, finding out that this was his second comedy uh, that makes me want to go see Analyze This now. But yeah, Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller are awesome to watch. So basically, you're admitting you haven't seen a movie before the year 1999. <laughs> Probably. Like, that's another thing where, like, me... <laughs> unless it was, like, a super special occasion, like... And, or something was on syndication on TV. We, I didn't see films when I was younger a lot. So yeah. Have you seen Titanic? Yes, I've seen Titanic, although I don't remember how... <laughs> I don't remember the middle part. I remember the beginning. I remember the end. He black. I bet he black swan. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I said no, it his favorite part. What we would assume his favorite part is in the middle. So I think he forgot that he missed that part. How do you feel about drawing French girls? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I, I if I can be serious, Kate uh, Winslet is one of my favorite actors of all time. Actresses, I should say. Actors um, is she's also accurate. Incredible. <laughs> she's beautiful and gorgeous. Um, but yeah, the only thing that the only biggest criticism I have is finding out that Terry Polo was cast in this film as Greg's girlfriend and fiance, soon to be fiance, over Naomi Watts because they said Terry Polar or Terry Polo was sexier. Or or not not that she was sexier. No, they said that Naomi yeah. Watts wasn't sexy enough. And can you like honestly like said seriously? Naomi Watts really is not sexy. Yeah. Really? But there's another part really? to this. It's like they say Naomi Watts isn't um, sexy enough, but originally Julia Stiles had been tagged for this role. It's like she, this was right after um, uh, Ten Things, Ten I, hate things I Hate About You. Yeah, where she looks like a child, and it's like she's gonna be your sexy like woman in this movie. And, and I will say, um, I think this this sounds like a way of saying Terry Polo has a larger chest than these other actresses. Basically, what it comes down to, which seems very two thousands of. I was also bummed watching this with me about Terry Polo that I don't feel like I've seen her in much anything else. It's, I really liked her in this. No. It's a shame. She's done a lot of work. I mean, nothing I've seen. So that might just be a slight on me. No, I, I really haven't seen it. She's been a solid working yeah. actor, but I agree. I haven't really seen any. She was in this most recent season of Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm. I mean, she looked familiar to me, but I couldn't yeah. I couldn't place her. If, if Naomi Watts was in this movie, she might not have been in Mulholland Drive. And it would not have hooked up with David Lynch. So that's an interesting... What could have happened there? For anyone listening, I don't think any of the members of this podcast have seen The West Wing. Or else they would have identified clearly that Terry Polo played Helen Santos, Matt Santos's wife, who and future presidential nominee, played by Jimmy Smith, the legendary Jimmy Spoiler. Smith. You mean Bail Organa? <laughs> so, I went down on this movie as well. I think I had like a two and a half star review prior to this. And I don't know, it's interesting that you're saying that there's he's relatable, and I, I don't know, like, the the first 45 minutes, which is just four characters, which was unbelievable to me. Uh, five characters. There's a cat involved. <laughs> okay, there's a fifth character. He is, Mr. Jinx, he is a cat. Our character. 
an integral I don't know. character. Like, why is everybody lying? Like, this movie doesn't exist unless everybody acts completely like no human beings act. And I understand that's how some movies work and da-da-da-da-da. But I also don't think the rewards of what we get for people making acting completely, like, unhuman is worth it either. Because all the horrible things that happen, like... I don't, is it, it's not funny to watch this wedding just get destroyed. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't find any of that humorous. I find it so awkward. Like, I was cringing <laughs> through most of it. Yeah. Just like, I mean, it's definitely like, supposed to be awkward humor, but I yeah, don't know. Like, I mean, that's something I have a big thing against. Like, I fucking hate that. So I went in, like, trying to be like, you know, it's just not my kind of humor. I have to appreciate what it is. But the more I think about it, the more it's just not entertaining at all and i feel like some of its jokes are pretty dated and pretty offensive now like the whole gaylord thing like and male nurses ugh. (laughs) yeah (laughs) and owen wilson doesn't say wow so zero (laughs) out of ten uh no he definitely does say wow like oh does he yeah so one out of ten yeah you know when that thing (laughs) that um the archway or whatever he makes when it goes up in flames, you're just like, wow. <laughs> Look at all the shit. Are, are you talking about the, the house. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that was a good line. Um, it was just weird that it was like this grounded movie for the most part for the first 45 minutes. And then it turns into like a literally anything could happen in this world for the last half yeah, of the like movie. Spray painting a cat and shit like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will it say jumps oh, quite a oh, bit. Wilson did have did have the biggest laugh in the movie for me at least was when De Niro's like Greg's a Jew. And it's just like, oh cool, so is JC. <laughs> like De Niro I was at that, but that was That was De Niro's best stretch in the movie, I think, though, when he just kept outing Greg for all the things he was trying to not lie about, but just tiptoe around and stuff. Also, yeah, I just wasn't trying to bring up, yeah. Like, the ending scene with them is, like, genuinely, like, a sweet, interesting interaction. and Yeah, it's great. But, like, it, like, feels so out of, it, It's completely unearned and totally out of place in the movie, too, though, so. And also, just speaking as a bride of the group, there's no way you would let him come back to that house. Whether or not any of that stuff was <laughs> intentional, he's coming nowhere near your wedding at this point. <laughs> he's cursed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with Ben on this one. It's like I'm not really big into the uncomfortable comedy either, which this one wasn't necessarily too bad in that regards. Like I wa- I mentioned to you guys this past week that I watched um Love Life and in- there's a scene where Anna Kendrick gets drunk at a wake and gives a speech and I legitimately <laughs> fast forwarded through that scene cuz I couldn't watch it. <laughs> so this wasn't that bad, but I don't know. It's like I just it's same. I like this movie when it first came out, but now it's just super uncomfortable with everyone lying or like Ben Stiller lying for a reason. Just people being jerks to someone for no reason half the time. It's just not entertaining to watch for me. Also, I was just going to say, De Niro's like a shitty agent if like he did no research into his, his like cover. Like you couldn't even figure out what his real name yeah. was. <laughs> what, yeah, well, not just that too, but it's also like, it's like if his cover is supposed to be like he worked in like exotic plants... He should know oh, a couple yeah, yeah. exotic plants. Like, dude, come on. Like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's a... 
uh, I was when I, I read the tri- trivia earlier, and one of the quotes Jay Roach gave was like he said he wasn't making a comedy; he was broken or he was making a broken love story. It's like, yeah, this was not a comedy. Like, I think I think Ben, you wrote on your letterbox review that you laughed a handful of times, and like I was wa- when I was watching this, I was keeping track, and I laughed three times. It's like one <laughs> one of the laughs is one that I it's the biggest laugh for me. It's always been the biggest laugh for me, but when um, it's when. Jinx runs over and pees in the ashes just for whatever reason that gets me <laughs> oh, every time. But, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm even better, like, this is why I think I'll maintain an ardent like stand of this movie, even though it's not great. Cause just Ben like referring to his like terrible cover story. It reminds <laughs> me of the scene at the end when you're watching like Greg talk to the nanny cam which you think is just, like, a picture of Jack or his family or whatever. And he's just, like, ripping into Jack. And it's just like, oh, what's that? The Jerusalem tulip and whoopsie whoopsie or whatever. And I just, it's like Ben still at his most unfiltered. And it's just, it's the contrast of him trying to, trying to make a good impression the entire time. And then behind the scenes just being so frustrated and needing an outlet for it like that last scene it just gets me every single time i also it was just weird how like owen wilson like shows up for 10 minutes and then they're like oh all that tension we've been creating is now gone like there's nothing else to do with this character the rest of the time well i mean i think the main reason for his character was just the line that uh, Blythe Danner says towards the end where it's just like, you didn't like him in the beginning either. So he he serves that purpose of just being like, mm-hmm. hey, wake up, Jack. You're a jerk to everyone until you're not. <laughs> but, I don't think there's any real tension regardless because it's not like it's not like the, his girlfriend's ever like wooed back yeah. or like in any distress of that kind. It's just like this guy yeah. is more successful. It's like, okay. But that's naturally, like, I think that's a natural point of tension in terms of just internalizing that and being, like, having the comparison now, right? Especially when Ben Stiller's character doesn't realize that Jack only liked him after they stopped dating, right? Because the entire time, like, that he's there, Jack's pretty much throwing it in his face, in Ben Stiller's face, in terms of how much how much more successful and how much more put together and how much more he just like likes him yeah everything serves the purpose of making his character insecure or just super uncomfortable so so that's why luke wilson's there but owen oh yeah owen sorry wow (laughs) yeah I, i don't yeah i mean there's not much more to be said about but it just like you need to have if you're gonna do these awful things to people like shoot shit all over them (laughs) <laughs> or burn down their wedding. I need to, like, have some sort of animosity towards them. Like, it tries to be... I don't know. Like, it could have been a fun movie and been over the top if there was someone who deserved the awful things that were happening. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and the people the people giving shit to Greg were, like, the extended family. And it's like, none of this is really affecting them, per se. It's just like, hey, how about the sister who was super nice? You don't why know. Don't they could just, all like, have pink eye now. <laughs> why don't we give her a black eye? Like... Wait, Zach, you're saying if they didn't, if they, if they did deserve it more, then it'd be more entertaining? Yes. But then you wouldn't cheer for him in the end. Cheer for who? Ben Stiller. I wasn't cheering for him at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying like... 
But yeah, as soon like, as he spray painted the cat, I was no longer on his team. I mean, it could have been like everything that happened was pretty outside that is pretty accidental. You yeah. know, like if I could have laughed with the movie if someone who was actively trying to sabotage their relationship got sprayed with shit. But I don't know. Like if if there was an active antagonist in the movie, that would be great. But there there isn't a there isn't like someone to root against really. Like Ben pointed out the the in laws are kind of just jerks, but they're just also just making like easy jokes and they're obviously douchebags, so mm-hmm. you don't really worry about them too much. I think one of one of the things that is kind of interesting that does provide a little bit of nuance is the fact that um, Blythe Danner, who plays Dina Burns, Pam's mother, is obviously way more sympathetic and loving and open to Greg. Literally, that awkward legs open scene. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> joke, though. No one says like that. <laughs> I know, that's what makes it funny, though. It was clearly set up for the joke. It was good. And is like the obvious person who is trying to advocate for her daughter and advocate for the person that she loves. But it's interesting because... That's such a contrast to Jack's character. It almost does make their marriage or their relationship unbelievable. It's like you have this person who's extremely sweet and almost like sort of innocent seeming, but but super well-intentioned. And then you have someone who is very intense and organized and like hard-lined. And it, it just seems like a stereotype of that opposites attract that those two would be ever attracted to one another well in all fairness that we don't see him when he's not around someone that he actively doesn't like so when they're together <laughs> he could be the sweetest guy in the world yeah, yeah that's, that's the way i took it is it just anything with the, his daughters he was a bit overbearing overbearing and yeah also like the brother just goes away too like they get the, yeah. the pot <laughs> joke out of him and then he's gone <laughs> it's the only reason he was in the movie more of a plot device than an actual mm-hmm. character yeah what are you talking about? He was he was there to Make deliver the seminal line. Wait, so your name is <laughs> <Yeah>. Gay Fokker. <laughs> but I also think that there's this underlying theme or potential theme that because Pam is so close to her dad and like awkwardly close. Yeah, never no grown up should like, ever call their parents mommy and daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even or ever like hug their father. With their legs wrapped around yeah. it. <laughs> but even, like, that's awkward on another level. But then there's also, like, this reoccurring, like, undertone of Pam being, like, some sort of, like, sexual fiend in the bedroom or something like that. And maybe the movie's trying to, like, allude, like connect the two as well. And that was something I picked up more this time around or watching it as an adult that like I didn't think was necessary or I didn't think was added Just to the humor. A woman of it at all. with a healthy sexual appetite. I don't understand what the problem is there. It was I think it was Stone was <laughs> just to meant Greg also sexually frustrated. No, it's disgusting. Well, well then, so then what were, so Lauren, your favorite line was the, or your favorite bit was the cat peeing on peeing the ashes. ashes. I also love the part, well, it's the we- one, like one of the physical comedy bits, like as the, um, the Hopa is going up in flames, you just see Ben Stiller dive back in through the window. Yeah. It's like, that's a great <laughs> moment too. He like, he like kind of like braces himself yeah. and like backs up and like... <laughs> 
I can't remember what the third time I laughed was, but those were two of them. Like the racing sequence, like I remember, like that's so long, and I don't know it. Apparently, it was supposed to. So one thing that I thought was cool, looking up the trivia, sorry, Ben, is apparently it was supposed to be a tribute or an homage to Ronin, and then when they found the actual like location for shooting it, they found out that the lights were like way too close together. But then they thought, well, this will actually make a funnier bit if they have to stop in between every so often. So they rewrote the scene for that. Yeah, because the lights literally turned, like, cycled through that quick. Yeah. And I think apparently there was a lot of things that were being rewritten and adjusted just to kind of play more into the actors as well and play off of Mm -hmm. them. Even after production started, which I thought was cool and kind of interesting. Well, yeah, like um, Ben Stiller's character was originally going to Jim Carrey. So there was going to be more comedy based on like physicality and stuff like that. But when Ben Stiller was cast, they did change it a little bit for him. <laughs> like that's the, again, that's the other thing that I appreciate is that this movie could have gotten the safe route to choose an equally, if not more successful actor who kind of has a brand of their own comedy and kind and lean into that, which I love Jim Carrey, and Ace Ventura is an all-time comedy for me. But the fact that they went the opposite direction, and Ben Stiller can provide such a restrained performance, and just really for me be hilarious out of the frustration and anxiety and all that kind of stuff, I think it just it it makes it more enjoyable for me, but and impressive to me. I would say Ben Stiller definitely had a. This was definitely Ben Stiller style, house mm-hmm. style Ben Stiller, even by this point, though. They knew what they were getting Jim into. Jim Carrey also came up with the last name Flocker, too, which I thought was interesting that they kept Wait, that even after did? he left the project. Jim Carrey. Oh. Did you did you read all the trivia on IMDb or Wikipedia? A little bit of both. Yeah. But I, are, you ta- are you talking about the rating thing? Yeah. Well, no, actually, not. E- oh, yeah, the MPAA. How they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't allow the name Fokker to be used unless they found someone in reality that actually had that last name. <laughs> but yeah, like just imagine if it had been um, Jim Carrey, and like at one point, um, Robert De Niro's character could have been Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine that energy? <laughs> <laughs> or also, or also Christopher Walken. Yeah. I thought he was in that running as well. <laughs> Christopher Walken. I can't see Christopher Walken being mean. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Um, You probably haven't been watching the right Christopher Walken movies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he essentially has that same energy from uh, Wedding Crashers, I feel like. Just on another level, so. I mean, the guy's guys played a bad dude. I wonder why this floated around for so, like, it's so many hands... It must have been a, I don't know, it seems interesting, especially, was it just the Fockers thing, or what? <laughs> like, but uh, Yeah, I don't know, because I think, I mean, if Jim Carrey suggested it, and he's such a, he's such a ingrained, especially at that point, ingrained kind of name in Hollywood, I feel like, regard, like, they had room to mess around or create a freedom to do what they wanted so and again there were much more raunchier slash potentially offensive movies out at the time so i don't know like the the raunchiest this movie ever gets is when he's robert de niro's going through the bag that isn't greg's bag and he sees all the like bdsm stuff with greg telling him there's something very important in my bag that i want to get i want to give your daughter and it's this dildo 
<laughs> I also love I mean it's it's a subtle like sort of line but again it plays into how well I think Ben Stiller acted this role is when he's talking to the air to the airline he's and he goes, well, don't you think that the Samsonite people in some crazy scheme in order to make <laughs> yeah. a profit made more than one suitcase? And I just, I don't know. Yeah. That this is his own fault for not having a ba- luggage tag. Yeah, I thought the same thing. You can't blame anyone for shouldn't himself. blame the victim. <laughs> but like, yeah, like his blow up at the airline attendant when he's like trying to fly back. It's yeah. Like, Dude, yeah, calling her a bee. Yeah, at that point, I was definitely not on his side anymore. It's like the cat was the first <laughs> nail. That was the second one where it's like she did nothing wrong. It's like... <laughs> I get it. You're pissed off. What are you talking about? She was a jerk to him before. That was another. Not as much as he was a jerk to her. (laughs) Yeah, but she was doing her job. (laughs) Yeah, but I just when he went to go. (laughs) He's lining. Um, We're talking about when he's lining up at the in front of the the tarmac or the the bridge, whatever you call it. When they were calling the seats in. Like even when he says it's one row back, dude. Like, do you think it's that big of a deal? Like, I can't even understand, like, for those, for the airline attendants, like, sake, being like, no, like, there's some organization and structure that we have to maintain. And then the camera widens out, and I'm just like, oh, no, never mind. Yeah, that's also, like, just a great reason to start yelling bomb on an airplane. That joke <laughs> yeah. aged terribly. Yeah, well, just like, terrible. I'm sure John read this as well in the trivia, but they were saying, like, when this movie was put on planes to show, like, they took that scene out. <laughs> Probably. So I, I kind of wonder how okay. it was edited. He like shows up at the airport and then suddenly he's in the security office. Like I don't know. Maybe they just took out most of that scene. Yeah, they they probably just like took out that line maybe because mm-hmm. I think you can still have that interaction otherwise. Yeah. We got anything else on Meet the Parents? I don't think so. I just I think my favorite bit of trivia was just De Niro was like super method. So like he was he was a jerk to um to Ben Stiller and like wouldn't talk to him, but like he became best friends with the cat on set. So I was like, can you imagine being Ben Stiller and just watching the interactions of them being together and just be like, stupid cat? <laughs> well, and especially because this was his first time working with De Niro and he said that he was super intimidated yeah. as well. And so I can't imagine you're about to share a counter role with one of the best actors of all time and he's being super aloof to you, mm-hmm. which is in his character but then he's doing it offset as well i yeah. imagine that must have it's like yeah, i'm sure these days like with how many people do go method you're probably used to it as an actor but still it's not the most pleasant thing i'm sure yeah it worked the narrow really comes across like he hates that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait how do we have has anyone seen the sequels robert de niro <laughs> in any comedy role like so again Analyze this was his first one, and apparently he was trying to get into more. I have not uh, seen Bad roles. Grandpa or whatever that one was called. Um, I've heard it's I've heard it's accurately titled. Yeah, as well, in it's, it's bad or just he's bad. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting to think that he. I still remember when Joel McHale hosted uh, the White House Correspondence Dinner. He made a joke. Um, he joked about this is my impression of Robert De Niro's agent. Ring, ring, ring. He'll do it. And he hangs up. Um, which is funny because I feel like, yeah, we have this we have this weird 
tension of Robert De Niro's filmography where he does all these amazing dramatic roles, but then he's taken a lot of comedies in the latter half of his career, which just get critically panned. But then Robert De Niro in this film, I think, was really was really good. And I think Analyze This was also super uh, critically acclaimed as well and well-received. He was good in Stardust. So, That's kind of a comedic role. Although, ooh, honestly, now I've, I can't remember how politically correct it is now. I'd have to rewatch that again. But, my, but yeah, just enjoy like wearing movie. women's clothes. I found my favorite Robert De Niro comedy, Shark Tale. <laughs> Forgot about that. He's in that. Yeah. So there we go. I think you're the first person to say Shark Tale is a good movie. SNL, he's always great whenever he's on. I'll give him that. I think he was good in just Silver Linings to work. Book. It was kind of funny. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's good in those oh, days. He was also he's, in. Uh, he's in an upcoming movie American called Hustle. The War, the War with Grandpa, with him and sequel? Christopher Walken. It's based on okay. a novel. Dirty Grandpa. Yeah. That's what that movie is called. Not Bad Grandpa. Bad Grandpa is so was the, the movie a jackass dirty movie? One. No, I mean, I just, like, I heard it was bad. Like, yeah. just not not good in any way. Yeah, before. I'd imagine it was not. Yeah, I don't know. He he can be funny, but you're you're right. His success rate has not been high as of late, apparently. He's a better dramatic actor than comedic. Yeah. Go watch him in Godfather 2. Did you um hear the... Did you pay attention that over the DreamWorks logo, someone was, like, singing about what the... was happening? And like yeah, a weird... that was weird. What the fuck was that? Well, well, it was it was an original song, right? And so by Randy Newman. That's another thing. Okay, but Randy Newman wasn't singing at that point, so it was supposed to be part of the same song. Oh, you're talking about at the beginning of Meet the Parents, the Randy Newman song. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the Randy Newman song, but the part over the credits where it's like, "Look at that boy on the moon." I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, this is a little meta. <laughs> Next week, we're going to watch a new release. Uh, yeah, so until then, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com. And you should rate interview the podcast because apparently it does stuff. Unless it's bad rating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear. You can find all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul, hashtag justice for Naomi Watts. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Middle of Row. Like Christina Ricci was also one of the other ones that they almost cast instead of. Oh, she's great too. But still, like when I look at her, like I feel like 20 years ago, she probably would have looked too chi- like too young again. Still, guys, yeah, Terry Polo like was, was great. She's very attractive. Who? She was cursed. It's fine. Oh yeah, no, I was very happy with the actress <laughs> in this movie. I'm just saying, it's like you don't you don't diss Naomi Watts like that. <laughs> I'm Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofroad.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road.
understands that you're a fool and you're in love. Never.